the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for being with us. It is a Thursday. It is the 13th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, we got a nice show lined up for you. It's uh, 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, coming up on the broadcast this morning. Well, uh, Dakota Sawyer a little bit. I think he's going to be at the top of hour, too. Dakota, of course, one of the co-hosts of the uh, Monday Night Roundtable. Um, they have a really, really cool dinner coming up on uh, the 20th, so a week from tonight. Lee Zeldin, former congressman, is going to be there uh, at the Embassy Suites in uh, uh, in Independence. And uh, it's the General George S. Patton Dinner. It's going to be a very, very cool event. We're going to talk to Dakota about that coming up here at about, um, uh, what did I say, about 10.10, about top of the second hour, I believe is what it is. Uh, no, I take that back, because that's going to be Dr. Everett Piper, so Dakota's going to be at 10.35. Dr. Piper makes his return after two weeks of illness. He's been down for a bit, but he's feeling much better now, and Dr. Piper will be with us to lead us through the culture wars. Then we're going to talk to Dakota, and then at 11.10, we're going to stick and stay with the issue 
issue one, that is, which, of course, we are going to encourage you to vote for and support every single segment. Um, we've got uh, we've got four weeks of early voting, 30 days of early voting before the actual election day on August 8th. And uh, we're going to stay on it each and every day as much as we can. Aaron Baer is going to be joining us from uh, Center for Christian Virtue and from Protecting Women Ohio, Protect Women Ohio. He's going to join us at 1110 this morning to talk about why it's so important to vote for and uh, pass issue number one on August 8th. So that's what we've got lined up for you today. And we're going to start the day today talking about protecting kids. And we're going to start talking about why it is so many people find a problem with a movie that features pedophiles and child sex traffickers being caught, taken down, uh, children rescued. One would think that if ever there is a time for bipartisanship or nonpartisanship, this shouldn't be a partisan issue at all. Republicans and Democrats, conservative, conservatives and liberals or, or progressives or whatever they want to call themselves these days, Marxists, it shouldn't matter. Children need to be protected. Can we all agree on that? When human trafficking is threatening to be child sex trafficking, being more precise, human trafficking, bigger picture, child sex trafficking on a micro level, it is, it is threatening, as, as is pointed out in the movie uh, Sound of Freedom, um, it, it's threatening to become a larger industry, worldwide industry, than the drug trade. Trading in children, selling children for the purposes of pedophilia and the production of child pornography um, is, is, is replacing the selling of drugs. It's not replacing it, but it's threatening to become bigger than, which is just an astounding thing to think about. So we're going to talk about protecting kids in a number of ways this morning. And while that's going on, by the way, I, I just kind of have to throw this out there. While... The left, for reasons that continue, that remain unknown, I'm I'm trying to figure it out, is attacking the makers of this movie, attacking the star of the movie, Jim Caviezel, who plays Tim Ballard, who is the real-life Homeland Security agent who retired or resigned from his job so that he could work full-time in trying to rescue children in uh, child sex uh, trafficking rings. While the left, for whatever reason, decides to attack these individuals, kids are kids are are, are being sacrificed. They they have found a reason, and I still think can't can't quite figure out why to say, well, you know, that Jim Caviezel guy, he has expressed belief in QAnon. You know, that Tim Ballard guy that Jim Caviezel plays, he has said QAnon type things too. They're like QAnon's is conspiracists. Well, hold on a second. What does that have to do with child sex trafficking? Well, you know, nothing but but that's bad. It's QAnon. So you're telling me that you will take your political ideology, which is far left wing, use it to condemn something that you consider to be far right wing, which is QAnon conspiracists, and you will use that to trash a film that is highlighting and featuring the problem of human being, children being 
bought and sold to be used and abused and discarded for sexual purposes, you're telling me your ideology against the right wing, as you call it, is more important to you than rescuing kids? It's a reason to trash the movie? It's a reason to condemn? It's a reason for AMC theaters, which is carrying the movie but doesn't want to be, making life miserable for the two hours of the movie, for the moviegoers. i got some stories here that you're going to be blown away by. TikTok users walking out of AMC theaters and Regal Cinemas saying that the air conditioning was turned off in the screenings of uh, Sound of Freedom in their theaters. They're fine in the other theaters. Saying that they left the lights on, the house lights up, while the movie was on so that nobody could be in the movie atmosphere and be, be comfortable The movie produced and based on the life of Tim Ballard, who is an anti-child trafficking campaigner. One would think that you shouldn't even have to say anti-child trafficking because there should be only one side, which is anti-child trafficking. If you know anybody that is pro-child trafficking, then they've got problems, and so do you. But this movie was the number one movie this past weekend in America. It actually beat the Indiana Jones reboot, or not reboot, but like the fifth or sixth or whatever it is in that series, much to Disney's chagrin. But um, it was the number one movie in America. It beat Indiana Jones. And that is making the far left and the left-wing media livid. They're furious. Why are people going to see a movie that has been put out by people that we consider to be right-wing conspiracists, like Tim Ballard, even if the subject matter is something we don't really complain about? You know, we're not really opposed to the idea that they're trying to stop human traffickers. The fact that they are getting positive press and they are right-wing means that we have to oppose it somehow, some way, and that's what they're doing. Operation Underground Railroad is an anti-child trafficking organization. That's what Tim Ballard started. It raked in a ton of money, 14 over $14.2 million its first day, over $40 million its first weekend, making it number one. Sound of Freedom depicts real-life events as, as, as told by people who were real-life participants as told by people who were real-life first-hand account eyewitnesses, and then it actually merges in at the end actual footage of some of the rescues. And instead of America... You know, what, what do we often say in this divided time in our country? We often say what? Why can't we go back to the America we had right after the 9-11 attacks? All of the partisanship was put aside. All of the political game, gaming and uh, gamesmanship and these things were put aside. We were united. Why does it take tragedy? Why does it take an atrocity to bring people together as Americans, right? Remember, we say this all the time, really. One would think that an epidemic of child sex slavery would be enough of a tragedy or an atrocity to bring us together. One would think that a massive number of children being trafficked into and out of, mostly into the United States, for the purposes of sexual abuse by pedophiles 
and sexual exploitation by uh, child pornographers, one would think that that would be like a 9-11, right? People on the right side of the spectrum, people on the left side of the spectrum, people in the middle all come together and say, oh, my God, we collectively cannot allow this to happen in our country. We cannot allow this to happen anywhere in the world, quite frankly. But particularly since the United States is kind of the epicenter of it all, we have to come together and stop this. That's what you would expect, right? But that's not what we're getting. People on the right are saying, we have to come together to stop this. People on the left are saying, you know, that story is being told by people who are on the right. Therefore, we're out. Holy goodness. What does that say? What does it say that the left is willing to put leftist, Marxist, socialist ideology above basic humanity? Concern for the well-being of children. We would rather tear down the star of the movie and the real-life person upon whom that movie is based, who has done and made it his life's work to do so much for children, to protect them, to rescue them, to capture, to stop the child sex trafficking, (laughs) we'd rather tear them down than actually contribute to, to their efforts. Because we can't have people on the right doing positive things and getting positive media for it. I read on Monday, and I went ahead and screenshotted a couple of the uh, of the quotes on Monday um, from the Washington Post. I can't remember exactly where it was because most Washington Post articles are hidden behind the paywall, which is a standard thing now, I guess. But some some outlet or another had the uh, entire article as they. Re- it wasn't a movie review. It was, as you can imagine, it was a uh, cheap shot. Uh, op-ed at um, Tim Ballard, Jim Caviezel, and the movie Sound of Freedom. And it spent a good deal of time talking about how QAnon plays a big role in the lives of Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel. And QAnon, of course, being a far-right conspiracy theorist, is dangerous, and therefore, no matter how good this movie is, no matter how much positive, how many positive things it can do, it must be condemned. But I, I... screenshot at a couple parts of the article, and I circled them so that I would have them at um, uh, my disposal quickly, and I'm going to read just two very short paragraphs now from this Washington Post coverage. A Vice News investigation in 2020 found no clear falsehoods in Operation Underground Railroad's rescue claims. (laughs) How about that? No falsehoods whatsoever. But a pattern of image burnishing and mythology building a series of exaggerations that are, in the aggregate, quite misleading. Wait, what? The Washington Post said we found no falsehoods. Or actually, they're quoting a Vice News investigation that they've been referencing. No falsehoods in the movie. This is reality. This is happening. As much as you don't want to believe it's happening, that children are being sex trafficked, and that somebody like Tim Ballard, a conservative-minded individual, 
sacrificed his entire career in Homeland Security as an agent to start this underground railroad operation to try to save these children. You don't want to acknowledge that somebody on the political opposite side of the spectrum, then you did something good. So you're trying to find things that they made up. You found no falsehoods. But it's image burnishing, meaning it makes the individuals who made the movie look good. Mythology building. What the hell does that mean? You just said there were no falsehoods. Myths are, by their very definition, not true. And a series of exaggerations. What's exaggerated about the children being trafficked? The second um, part that I went ahead and screenshot and, 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 and flagged just to share with you. This is again back on Monday. It's from, uh, I think it's from Saturday's actual Washington Post. But uh, anyway. Uh, the section is headlined or subheaded, Stars Linked to QAnon. And it reads, Sound of Freedom doesn't depict anything close to QAnon conspiracy fantasies, which have been linked to incidents of extremism and violence, including the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The film's villains are common criminals, not the shadowy cabal of occultists imagined by QAnoners. So I read that, and I'm just thinking to myself, you just undercut your entire article. You just literally explained why what we're reading shouldn't be in print. Sound of Freedom has nothing to do with QAnon. Sound of Freedom has nothing to do with conspiracists. Sound of Freedom has nothing to do with politics. Sound of Freedom is about sexually trafficked, abused and discarded children being rescued by dedicated people who care about kids. And you would use the movie about that valiant and, and I think, almost God-driven effort. Maybe that's where we lose you. But God-driven effort to save children and hold those who abuse children accountable, <laughs> you, you would... You would take that movie and, and that effort and trash it all because of the political leanings of the people involved, because they're too far right, and you can't stand to see people who are on the right be given credit for doing anything positive whatsoever? What does that tell you about this country right now? Moreover, what does that tell you about the American left? All of the people for the last 22 years have been saying, you know, after 9-11, we were united. If there was ever a tragedy, if there was ever another attack on America, we'd be united again. I don't think that's the case. I think that child sex trafficking on the scale that it is being revealed now by people like Tim Ballard and through movies like this, I think that is a 9-11. I think that is as much of an attack on innocence as, yes, even 9-11 was, and is on a much bigger scale. And it's not a one-day event, it's an ongoing event. And rather than that uniting people against child sex trafficking, it takes the left and makes them criticize those who are trying to stop it, all because of their political ideology. We are so much further gone as a nation than you ever thought we could be. 
I welcome your thoughts, 216-901-0945, Before we do anything else, let's say our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, stand, face your flag, put your hand on your heart. If you believe in attacking people who are doing good for the purpose of doing good, simply because of their ideology, well, then you don't respect that flag nor the country it represents. So instead, you take a knee next to that unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all and just in case you thought you'd heard it all the next story i have for you is headlined california democrats block bill to lock up repeat child sex traffickers claiming prison is not the answer Stay here on Always Right Radio. We'll be back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Why would it be a partisan event? The, the the creation and presentation of a movie exposing child traffic, uh, sex traffickers and children being rescued. Why would it be partisan in any way? Why would it? Be? I'm I'm failing. I'm struggling. I really really am. After telling you that story, let me tell you this one now. Democrats in California on Tuesday. So this story is 48 hours old killed what was a bipartisan bill to strengthen punishments for repeat traffickers of minors. This this is this is just this is not conceivable. In their years long push to empty prisons, Democrats in California do not want to and are killing a bill that would require repeat sex traffickers to go to prison. The legislation is Senate Bill 14 in California would classify trafficking of children and teenagers younger than 18 as a serious felony on par with murder, arson, and rape, which would bring longer prison terms and potential life sentences without a chance for a plea bargain. The six Democrats on the Assembly, the California Assembly Public Safety Committee, abstained from voting on the bill, preventing its advance for a vote by the full chamber. Both of the Republicans on the committee voted yes. So let's say that again more clearly. There's a bill that would make child sex traffickers go to prison for a long time. And the six Democrats on the committee that would move that bill to a full uh, House vote, the six Democrats abstained from voting. They did not want to go on the record as saying, no, we oppose locking up child sex traffickers, which they do. They do oppose it. So they abstained. The two Repo- First of all, how about that for a committee? Six uh, Democrats and two Republicans. Okay. The two Republicans voted yes. The other Demo- the six Democrats abstained from voting. I, where do, where do you go? Where do you go from there? 
All longer sentences do is increase our investments in systems of harm and subjugation at the expense of the investments that the communities needed to not have this be a problem to begin with. How about that for a sentence from Democratic Committee member Isaac Bryan during the hearing? I'll stop and say, okay, then why didn't you vote no? Why did you just abstain from voting, you freaking intellectual coward? The Democrats' downvote by not voting came even as local leaders and anti-trafficking activists across California have warned that sex trafficking is surging since the state in January decriminalized loitering with the intent to commit prostitution in the name of transgender rights. Uh, we... Where where did we go with this? I mean, this is where we need a giant Bugs Bunny size saw and just cut California off from the rest of the nation and let it float out into the Pacific. Are you kidding? The Public Safety Committee has killed a number of proposals this session that were meant to address rising crime, including a previous bill to sharpen penalties for sex trafficking. Progressive members... Marxists, of the panel have for years worked to ease punishments for criminals and reduce prison populations. I I would like to know how they explain that to the victims, the community of victims, the population of victims in California. I would love to know how they explain that to them, that this is good policy. Let's ease the punishments for the criminals, ease the punishments for the kidnappers of the child sex uh, victims, Ease the punishment for those who are moving them. Ease the punishment for those who are abusing them. Ease the punishment for those who are profiting off of them by the sale of pornography based on them. Let's ease the punishments. How's that go? During Tuesday's hearing, survivors of human trafficking gave emotional testimony. One of the women who testified anonymously said she had been imprisoned after being trafficked, uh, imprisoned after being trafficked and opposed the bill for fear it would criminalize other victims. What? The other Odessa Perkins criticized the panel's reluctance to keep offenders in jail as enabling a horrific cycle of abuse and depravity. Exactly. I've heard the opposition on mass incarceration of blacks harm to communities, and I've heard many others speak about jail overcrowding, said Perkins, who is black. But I'm here to say that I was molested and raped repeatedly by black and white men and even some women. So it does not matter the race. What matters is saving children. Traffickers are getting out of jail, parole, reoffending, continuing the horrific cycle of abuse and depravity. A former pro- uh, prosecutor for Alameda County in California, Sharman Bach, testified that traffickers in California, which is a national hotbed for that crime, rarely receive more than a few years of prison time and are getting so brazen because the law has no teeth. Let's now recognize that organized crime is in this. Gangs are in it. Because as you heard from our witnesses, they can do it over and over and over again. So recognize also that this is a huge moneymaker. Those girls are ATM machines. End quote. I'll stop there and let that sink in, because that's exactly what it is. Girls and boys, quite frankly, children who are trafficked like this, are cash cows for the traffickers. 
Public Safety Committee Chair Reggie Jones-Sawyer, Democrat, said he had planned to vote against the bill, but decided again instead to abstain and allow the authors to make revisions. He did not specify what changes could make the measure more acceptable to him. No, he abstained because he's a coward who doesn't want to have it on his record when he runs for re-election or higher office in California that he voted against a bill that would make life harder on sex traffickers and would actually imp- uh, increase prison sentences for sex traffickers, child traffickers. Assemblywoman Liz Ortega, a Democrat, told sex trafficked minors that the criminal justice system could not help them. Quote, I'm struggling with how do we support you with mental health access, with housing, education, and good jobs, because it's part of a holistic approach. Sending someone to prison for the rest of their lives is not going to fix the harm moving forward. And that's the part I'm struggling with. It's a complex issue. No, you are a blithering buffoon. You don't think that locking up sex traffickers fixes the harm moving forward they can't traffic children for sex if they're locked behind bars why does it seem as though every left-wing bubble-headed democrat is the same why what is wrong with these people we don't want to incarcerate these people well you know because equity and all and because diversity and because the laws aren't, uh, you know, the laws don't uh, capture the same amount of people of different races. So we're going to sacrifice children to sex traffickers for the purpose of equity. This is incredible. This is impossible. State Senator Shannon Grove, Republican, who co-authored the bill to strengthen the penalties, expressed shock at Tuesday's result. She noted that she had already modified the bill to target only repeat traffickers of minors and that her Democrat colleagues in the upper chamber had unanimously voted yes. We amended the bill thinking that once we got the assembly to the assembly, it would be so easy to get this out of committee, and I'm sad to hear that I was wrong. So there, there I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there. But I'm going to, I guess, because I just I feel so strongly about this, especially with you know the sound of freedom coming out and people learning exactly how horrific the sex trafficking industry is, how widespread it is, how it is being called you know, the next drugs in terms of the size and the scale and the scope of the trafficking uh, of, of children. Um, I'm just going to say this. This is, this is time for that discussion once again of a national divorce. I, I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea of secession. I don't like the idea of of separate separation. And, but for goodness sakes, how do we live with people who say that it's not protective of children to punish people who kidnap, sell, abuse, discard, and then profit off of children? How do we live with those people? What what common ground can we ever come to on any issue when we can't come to a common agreement on let's not have children be sex trafficked? Right? How can we how can we come to common common ground on the economy? How do we come to common ground on immigration? How do we come to common ground on national defense? How do we come to common ground on 
anything if we can't all agree, Republicans and Democrats alike, hand in hand, united, saying we all oppose the trafficking of children for sex and and child pornography and exploitation. That when we go to say that, the Democrats let go of our hands and walk away. If we can't agree on that basic premise that children should be protected, what are we doing? What can we ever agree upon? This is just... It's a little bit too much. It's a little bit too much to think that we can continue to work and live with uh, with one another if this is how incredibly divided we are. And this is... This is borderline... Going back to my original comparison to, to 9-11, this is borderline George W. Bush saying the people who knocked down these buildings will hear for all, from all of us soon, and 96% of Americans cheering and loving that. And yes, this is, this is perilously close to people saying, screw that, we had it coming. What do you mean they're going to hear from all of us soon? They had a their 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 own ideology and their own faith drove them to do what they thought was right. Leave them alone. Right? I mean, literally, they're saying, "Ah, let's not punish these sex traffickers, the ones who are abusing children, the ones who are literally feeding kids to pedophiles, and then forcing kids to do horrific things on camera for child pornographic purposes." If you don't know how deep the problem is, honestly, first watch Sound of Freedom. Second, uh, study it a little bit. Look up. Look it up. If you can't say that we need to stop that simply because of your ideology, then, like I said, you would have said, ah, we don't need to hold the people who knocked those buildings down accountable. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, what good is it going to do to go after the people who funded that now? I mean, the people already dead. They're not going to come back, right? That's how insane this has become. All right, 216 You got thoughts? Let's hear them. Always Right Radio right back. Nine fifty two, always right radio at AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Some pretty astounding stuff uh, that we're talking about this morning. Like I said, there are precious few things that will unite a divided people in this country right now. One would think that child sex trafficking would be one of them. Apparently not. Apparently it's just all good with the left. It's just A OK. Mark is in uh, Cleveland. Mark, you're on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Good morning, Mark. Fire away. Hi, thanks. Once again, you're right on target, as usual, and it's very painful to hear what you're saying, but unfortunately, this has been brewing for so many years. I just want to put this out to you. It's very interesting. So you and I are probably around the same age, so we basically have had Internet in our lives probably for the last 25, 30 years on a, on a daily basis. But imagine you're, imagine you're 25 years old right now. That means from day one of your life, you grew up with Internet. Okay, you never knew life without Internet, okay? You and I have. So basically, you've been, I mean, most people, I hate to say it, they've basically been so deeply involved with pornography from day one of their lives. Every possible, possible thing you could ever imagine, of course, is right there for free. And now they are so confused on every single level that they've actually gotten to the point where this trafficking that you're talking about doesn't bother them that is really what's going on imagine if you lived 
from day one of your life, I don't know, you're probably around my age, that what, how, how sick and crazy you want to be. I mean, everybody is. These kids at 25 are completely ruined. There's no way out of it unless somehow they live in a community where Internet was uh, blocked or, you know, there are some communities like that. I live in a community like that. But it's unusual. Most people in the world are so, I hate to say it, screwed up. So um, I want to understand what you're saying. Um, are you saying that because of the available availability and easy access of pornography due to the Internet and phone screens and so forth for this younger generation for their entire lives, that they are the the users, the purveyors, the uh, the individuals who would be buying the children that are being trafficked because they have been exposed to deviant pornography? Is that what I'm hearing uh, you say? No question. There's always been an element of society interested in pedophilia, even for, for thousands of years. This, this is yeah. nothing new. Right. But the fact that it is so mainstream now, pornography is mainstream in most people's lives. I hate to say it. And when that happens, you just basically become, you know, something else. You lose a lot, a lot of your human qualities, I hate to say it. You become literally like an animal needing that next dopamine fix. And after you've had 25 years of regular pornography, oh, I'm bored of that stuff already. Let's get something else. Soon it'll be animals. Soon it'll be incest. I mean, it already is incest. Is it? Soon it'll, you name whatever, whatever crazy thing. It'll, animal, animal pornography will be out very popular soon, I guarantee you. Well, it already that 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 already exists. Bestiality has you know been been on the books for on the law you know against the law for a very long time because those things exist. And the reason why though is because while those people exist, they are generally speaking, um, you know, they're they're very very rare um, individuals because sexual attraction, um, deviant as it is, to an animal or to a child is something that I think is a truly a mental health defect. There is a, uh, and I'm not a doctor. I'm just, I'm just, this is just total observational on my part. I, I feel like pornography, traditional pornography featuring sex between grown men and grown women, um, is going to be, is going to be something that is there forever. It is going to be something that draws people to it forever. Uh, that's not to defend it. It's just reality because human sexuality, uh, that's just, that's the way that it is. Um, it's the reason why, well, I don't want to get off too, too far down the rabbit hole there, but to, to have an attraction and to find something sexually stimulating about the sight of a child, I don't think is something that can be developed by just watching a lot of pornography. I think you have to have been born with that mental uh, defect because there's nobody who is who is of a normal sound mind that can look at a child and think sexual thoughts. I, like I said, I think there has to be a deviancy, a, 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 a mental illness that, that would make that happen. I don't know if that is necessarily something that can be developed in somebody. I don't care if you watch, you know, pornography for every day for 30 straight years. If you're, if you're not attracted to a child, you're not going to become attracted to a child because of it, because obviously of the grotesque nature of such a thing. I think you really have to have been born with that, uh, that, um, that strange and weird. And that's why, that's why they're not treatable. That's why they're not rehabilitatable. Uh, you know, you, you, you put a child, uh, uh, rapist in prison, um, if he's ever allowed to come out of prison, he's still going to be a child rapist because they cannot 
they cannot stop themselves. Um, I know I'm, we're getting off on a tangent here, and I really appreciate what you're saying, Mark. Uh, but I just don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the answer is. I don't know if we can dismiss it as saying, "Well, if we got rid of all the pornography online, maybe this wouldn't be as big of a problem." I think those deviants are always going to be there. They're always going to be looking for their next fix. Well, there's always castration for all these people to get caught, but that'll never happen. And you know what? I, I, amen to that, brother. God, I'm all for it. I'm I am too. I am that. too. Chemical castration is being used on children. That, that, that they think might be confused enough to want to change their sexes. We know this. Well, then, for crying out loud, don't give, don't use it on impressionable children who, who don't know what the hell they're doing and cannot give informed consent. Use it on the abusers of children. Chemically castrate so they cannot have that desire or the ability to carry it out. I completely agree. Mark, thank you for the call. We'll get to time out here. Get a little bit fired up. And how can you not? If you have not yet seen Sound of Freedom... I cannot recommend it strongly enough. It is something that we should all do uh, because the problem is real and it's right in our faces. We'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. A reminder, vote yes on issue one on August 8th. Vote yes on issue one today. Do it tomorrow. Don't wait until August 8th. Vote yes on issue one. Get your vote banked and make sure that it counts. It is that important. Um, it is the 14th morning, or excuse me, 13th morning of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, this is going to be a treat because for the first time in a couple of weeks, actually about three of them, counting the two that were then missed, um, uh, we get to hear the voice of one of our leaders, one of our captains. In fact, I actually call him a general uh, of our army in the culture wars that we continue to fight on behalf of our families and our kids today. Dr. Everett Piper had been under the weather for a bit. He is now ready and raring to go. Dr. Piper, sound of mind and body, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Hopefully I'm sound of mind. As I told you in our <laughs> private text exchange, I had a bit of fr- brain fog as a result of maybe round two of COVID, but hopefully I can communicate with you today. I absolutely believe you can. So, Dr. Piper, there's two stories we're going to talk about, both of which you wrote uh, for uh, the Washington Times. And we had to remind everybody, Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. He's a weekly columnist, twice weekly now, with the Ask Dr. E segment uh, section, I should say, uh, in the uh, Washington Times. And he is also... Uh, a, a commissioner in uh, in uh, Osage County, Oklahoma. So, Dr. Piper, um, I want to dive into your your column first because I feel like the Ask Dr. E is going to take a little more time. Uh, talk about one of the questions for the ages. Um, let's talk about your your original column. Let's talk about honesty and deception. Let's talk about uh, President Joe Biden. This is uh, something that I've talked about for some time. I don't know if he's habitual. I don't know if he's pathological, but I do know that he is a liar of the first order. We call them out on an almost daily basis here, but this isn't just modern. This isn't something that has developed since he became president, this uh, propensity for telling mistruths. Um, this has been who he is his entire life, at least the 50 years plus of life that we have known him in the public eye. And you decided this was the week to talk about that. Tell us more. 
Well, I, I'm just frustrated like everybody else is with the, the lack of honesty that uh, we see in the White House. Now, before anybody out there that's listening right now that may be tempted to say, yeah, but Trump, that's not the point. I challenge everybody that's listening to this commentary to deal with the premise of the article, to deal with the point, and that is the current occupant of the White House is not telling us the truth. He's not telling us the truth about covid He's not telling us the truth about inflation. He's not telling us the truth about his son, Hunter. He's not telling us the truth about cocaine in the White House. He's not telling us the truth about the economy in general. He's not telling us the truth about the Ukraine. He's not telling us the truth about Burisma. He's not telling us the truth about the CCP. We could go on and on. The list is almost endless as to the proven prevarications, lies, of Joe Biden right now. Forget about Trump. Forget about other occupants of the White House. The fact of the matter is the guy that is the president of the United States right now is a pathological liar. And my point in my article is we knew this. We knew this when he stood for election, because if you go back to 1980, whatever it was, 82, 87, when he ran for the presidency the first time back in the 1980s, the mainstream media actually outed him like they're supposed to do. They right. actually were legitimate news at the time, and they disclosed the fact that he had done a variety of different things that were dishonest. For example, he plagiarized multiple speeches. One was from the British Prime Minister at the time. Another was from JFK. Another was from Robert F. Kennedy. Another was from former Senator Hubert Humphrey. He was plagiarizing his speeches, and he got caught doing so. Then we discovered that he was lying to us about his academic records. He was saying that he was one of the top graduates in law school when actually he was 70-something out of a mere 80 graduates. He was at the bottom of the list, not the top of the list, and he was caught plagiarizing in a lot of his research and his academic work. So we know the guy lies. And here's the biggest lie, the most egregious lie that I think. He lied about his wife's accident when his first wife got killed with their daughter. He actually blamed Curtis C. Dunn for being drunk at the time. This was a guy that was driving a semi-truck at the time that hit his first wife, Biden's first wife and daughter, and killed them. Why? Because Mrs. Biden failed to yield the right-of-way, and Curtis Dunn, the guy driving the semi-truck and trailer, tried to avoid them, was unable to do so, and the result was the death of Biden's wife and child. Now, Biden goes out and starts accusing Dunn of being drunk. Well, a Supreme Court justice at the time refuted that and said there was no evidence whatsoever. But Biden has continued to play off of that and use that as a platform to launch his political career. The guy lies. And my conclusion in the article is, why? Well, Satan is the father of lies. The Bible tells us that. And if you or I are lying all the time, we have to acknowledge the fact that we're aligning ourselves with the very father of lies who we have given our soul over to. I would argue that there's replete evidence in the White House that Joe Biden has given his heart, mind, and soul over to the father of lies, because Biden is doing the exact same thing. He can't open his mouth without telling us something that's untrue. You know, you obviously correctly anticipated what, you know, the people who, who support Biden are going to say. And they're going to say, well, what about Trump's lies? And I'm glad you, you did it right up front. I don't dispute it. I know Donald Trump has said many things that are not true. I know a lot of people that I really support and like have said things that are not true. 
I don't know anybody that has been, as you just pointed out, quite as habitual about it as as Joe Biden, and and moreover, about things as important as that. I once saw a report about Mr. Dunn's family, and this is from like 2007. He died in 99. Uh, they're still fighting for the reputation of their of their loved one. They're still fighting Joe Biden's lies in the claims that his wife and daughter were killed by a by a drunk driver. And I'm glad you pointed out also the fact he was never charged. Because there was no evidence whatsoever that he had been drunk or impaired in any way. It was the, the fault was the driving of Mrs. Biden at the time. And this is not to, you know, to denigrate her or anybody else, especially with such a tragic result. But the reality is there are people who are hurt by his lies. And I'll be honest with you, Dr. Piper. I think the entirety of the United States is hurt by his lies, not just lies about Ukraine or lies about any of the things that we're talking about in terms of current policy, but the fact that he has lied about his academics, lied about, uh, you know, his achievements and lied about his, his, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, or, paraf- or I should say plagiarized so many of the speeches, he wouldn't be where he is if he wasn't a liar. He wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be living in the state that this nation is in right now if he, um, the habitual or pathological liar that he is, you know, had not done this. So the lies do have consequences. And Satan, as you say, is the father of all lies. And Joe Biden is a willing son, it would appear. I, I agree. And again, on the issue of the fallacy, uh, the non sequitur, uh, the fallacy of distraction, I call it the fallacy of so what? Those that are tempted to raise their hand and say, oh, but Trump. Yeah, but what about Trump? Because he lied just as much. You know what? I responded uh, to one person who was accusing me of ignoring Trump in this article. And I said, Trump has nothing to do with it. By virtue of what I wrote in this article, you have no idea what I think of Trump. I could despise Trump. I could be an anti-Trumper, a never-Trumper, based on what this article says. You don't know. So the fallacy of going down that path and saying, what about Trump or what about anybody else? is totally irrelevant. It's a fallacy distraction. It's sleight of hand. It's saying, look over there and don't attend to the premise of the article or the argument that's being made. We need to challenge people when they do that in the political arena, theological arena, educational arena, or any area of life. And we need to guard ourselves from doing the same thing. If, if you think Trump has something to do with this argument, point it out. Where in the article is it relevant whatsoever? what somebody else is doing. We're talking about Biden. We're not talking about anything else. Dr. Piper, I want to, uh, terrific response, by the way. Uh, I want to get into now the Ask Dr. E that you addressed in uh, this week's uh, other other column. I'm going to read the question <clears throat> that was sent to you. Then we're going to take our time out so people can kind of chew on it themselves before they hear your answer, because this is just one of those, I don't know, existential questions about, about eternal salvation, I think. Um, Dear Dr. E, perhaps the best way to ask my question is to put it in context. I do not doubt that there is a God, and I have no reason to believe that he is not good. I also believe that each of us has a conscience and that we all intuitively understand right from wrong. I don't have a problem accepting your thoughts on this matter, but here's where things sort of fall apart for me. If our God is good and generous, what will happen to the huge number of those who do good but are not Christians? It's impossible for me to believe that a good God would simply dismiss those souls. Sincere questioner from Oklahoma. So that is what Dr. Piper faced uh, in this week's column, Ask Dr. E. I want you to think about that during the commercial break. I've been thinking about it ever since I read the column, and I still don't know if I have any answers. But uh, what do you think? Does God, is God going to 
send the souls of those who are not Christians to hell, even if they lived good Christian lives without acknowledging as much? Um, or is there another answer? We'll find out what doctors, uh, Dr. Piper said next. Okay, it is 1021 now, so we've got a good eight or nine minutes now with Dr. Piper to discuss one of these very, very difficult questions. Can good people who live good, God-fearing lives without acknowledging God in Jesus Christ as his son, without being Christians, can they get into heaven? Or would our good and loving and gracious God um, send them to hell for not actually being Christians? Dr. Piper, that's what they asked you in this week's column. How do you answer? Well, as you know, I, I start out by trying my best to put uh, to take a spoonful of humility before I answer this question. And um, I mean, the saints throughout the ages have written about this and spoken about this. So I don't want to pretend that I've got some new fangled answer that's better than Saint Augustine or Thomas Aquinas. Uh, the list goes on and on. We need to recognize the wisdom of the ages, and I, think, and I, as an evangelical believer, I would even argue over and above the wisdom of the ages in history and tradition, we need to acknowledge the authority of the Scriptures, which tells us what Jesus said about this issue. So as a Christian, and the person asking me this question knows I'm a Christian, um, and I think he expected me to answer within the context of Christianity. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. Yes, Lewis said, Jesus is either a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. You've got three options. Either he's the most successful liar of all time, and he's duped millions and millions of people, or he's a lunatic, and he's making claims that are just absurd, or he's who he claimed to be. He's actually the Lord, God himself, the second person of the triune God, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, the creator of the universe. I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, and I even say that in the present tense, not past tense. Because Jesus is the eternal God. So what did Jesus say? Well, he talked about hell a lot. So hell is real. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There is eternity. There is no such thing as a temporal human being, and meaning that we all are eternal souls. So with that all said, I'm going to go to Jesus, and I'm going to listen to what he has to say on the matter. Okay, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus inspired St. Paul to say, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. St. John said, If we claim to be without sin, we make God out to be a liar. So as I answer the question from this particular gentleman, I'm putting on, uh, hopefully, a cloak of humility, taking a spoonful of humility, like I said, and I'm saying there are a lot of things I don't understand, like the centurion in the Gospel of Mark, who said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Or the blind man at the Pool of Siloam, who said, I don't know the answers to all your questions, but this one thing I do know, I was blind, and I now see. So with the guy at the, the blind man and with the centurion, I'm, I'm saying, I don't know the answers to everything, but I can look to Christ, and I can listen to what he says. And what I do know that is this. If there are people out there walking the planet right now, either now or in the past, who are so good and so virtuous that they don't need forgiveness, and they don't need to confess, and they don't need to repent, I'm sure not among them. 
I'm not one of those. I don't know who they are, but I'm not among those. I am a sinner, and I need to confess, I need to repent, and as I listen to Jesus, he is the only solution. He is the only sacrifice to my sin. So I'm going to cast my lot, as George MacDonald in his classic work, The Curate's Awakening, says. I'm going to cast my lot with those of the crucified, because in the story of Christ, I've seen grandeur that is beyond the realm of any human invention. Nobody could make this story up. This is real. This is true. It is the solution. So I'm casting my lot with those of the crucified, recognizing that, as John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, said, you know, um, I know two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Those are the two things I know. It, it, the depth of this, of course, is just, it's, it's well beyond my, my level of understanding. Um, but here's what I will say. Um, <clears throat> you quoted and almost closed. It was, it was the second to last graph in your, in your column and in your answer. You, you quote Jesus, as you did on the air here, too. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Taken at face value, those words would mean you must be a Christian and believe in me or you don't get to the Father. Um, I wonder, though, since we believe in the Holy Trinity, that he is God, and God is he, and the Spirit is them, uh, and so forth. Um, If, again, someone lived a life in service to others, but never went to a confession, never went to a church, never went and professed himself to be a believer in Christ, but cared for people, uh, was was humble, uh, was was a servant, and and lived a, a, a pious, wonderful life. Devoted to good things. I wonder if if Jesus, who says no one comes unto the Father but by me, would look at that person and say that is a heavenly life, that is a heavenly worthy existence, whether you knew about me or acknowledged me or not. Um, it's about what you do, not just what you say. Because there are a lot of sinners who do a lot of terrible things, but who say all of the right things. They never miss a mass. They they, they say the Lord's Prayer. I mean, how many times have we, have we seen mafia figures after killing people making the sign of the cross and when they go and sit their meal after that, uh, sit at their meal. So, you know, it's about what you do, not what you say. And maybe that is the answer to the question. It's between God and Jesus, which are one, to decide whether or not you actually have to declare yourself as such in order to receive heaven's eternal blessing. You know, essentially what I hear you asking right now, Bob, is the other end of this question. What about those people that never hear? They never, they don't know about Jesus. Mm -hmm. What happens to them? Well, I think for everybody, well, I know for everybody that's listening to us right now, by definition, they've heard about Jesus, because we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the gospel. So we're not in that category of those that have never heard. By definition, we can't be. So when you know um, that of the gospel, when you know of Jesus Christ, when you know of the fact of the matter that there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no such thing as a quote-unquote good person. I mean, even Mother Teresa would have said that. She didn't put herself into the category of a sinless, uh, of a sinless person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pope John Paul did not put himself into the category of a sinless person. Um, Aquinas, uh, Augustine, Luther, I mean, regardless of whatever branch of Christianity you subscribe to, all those branches admit that all of us are broken, sinful, and all of us need to be redeemed through the blood of Christ, confession, repentance before him. For those, you know, C.S. Lewis has some views on those that have never heard. I don't necessarily agree with those views, um, and I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. 
what I do agree with on all of what C.S. Lewis and then Chesterton on the Catholic side and then others within the Reformed tradition is that if we claim to be without sin, we make Christ out to be a liar, and the truth is not in us. And I'm going to go back to um, New, uh, 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 John Newton, um, that uh, I know two things. I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Boy, they don't uh, they do not do any favors when they make you write Ask Dr. E, do they? <laughs> you, you don't know what you're going to get from week to week, and they give you something. I think you did a great job with it, by the way, uh, just my personal Because you're right. You know, you acknowledge I don't have the answers. I can go back to saints, and we can go back to gospels. We can go back to Jesus himself and look for the answers. But at the end of the day, that is the only place you'll find the real answer. Uh, so you did a great job of trying to uh, to put it into your own words in the Washington Times. Dr. Everett Piper, terrific stuff as always. Thank you very much, my good friend. We will talk to you again next week. All right, blessings. Take care. Thank you. Don't forget, you can read Dr. Uh, Piper's... Um uh, Dr. Piper's uh, columns and his answers to these things, he always links to them on his Twitter feed. So if you're not following Dr. Piper yet on Twitter, you should be Dr. Everett Piper, D.R. Everett Piper, all like it sounds. We'll be back after this. and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France and The Answer. 1037 now. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. If you missed that interview and all interviews, don't forget they are available to you uh, about an hour after each show. At about 1 o'clock or so, uh, you'll have the full podcast up at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. I am also endeavoring to put... Certain interviews, uh, depending on the subject, the time, the uh, the necessity, and the uh, and the guest, and so forth, uh, up on the Rumble channel. I've started a Rumble channel. If you are lo- interested in some of the highlights and some of the production that we do, including the uh, Hunters in the Basement song, the Woke uh, uh, Woke Buster song, and other things, find my Rumble channel at Always Right Radio. Always Right Radio is the Rumble channel. So we'll uh, we'll uh, talk to you there as well. Dakota Sawyer is uh, a former state representative candidate. He is probably going to be a candidate again in the future. He is dive as uh, completely dialed in to politics. He is 19 years old, and uh, he is a co-host of the Monday Night Roundtable. You hear each and every Monday uh, on our sister station, and uh, he is also uh, a part of the American Union Pack. And there is a big deal coming up next Thursday, one week from today. And Dakota's here to tell us all about that uh, event that's coming up. Hey, Dakota, good to have you back uh, back on our program. How are you? Oh, always good to be on with you, Bob. I'm doing just fine. So, Dakota, first of all, tell us about the American Union Pack. Yeah, so uh, the American Union PAC, uh, you know, is a is our political action committee that is strengthening conservatives here at, in Ohio and strengthening conservatives running for office. Um, good constitutional conservatives. We're focused on uh, two things at the current moment. Uh, we're focused on school board races, which is vitally important for this local election year, and we're focused on uh, central bank digital currency and stopping it here in Ohio. Uh, we actually have current legislation sitting in the Ohio House, House Bill 163, uh, sponsored by State Representative Jennifer Gross, uh, and we are uh, we are pushing that through at the state house level uh, to stop central bank digital currency because it is vi- it is vital that we stop it. 
It is a security risk, um, and it's a privacy concern because I don't want the federal government having any more control than they already have now. I want them to have less control than they have now. So the American Union PAC is solely focused on those two things at the current moment, uh, and we're focused on uh, this year and school board, local board races and, and moving forward into 2024, which will be a big presidential year. Um, let's talk about about saving our schools. I'm looking at the PAC website right now, and it is to one of the two big issues that you have, save our schools, and you indeed are encouraging conservatives to run for school board. One of my good friends I think you met on uh, last Saturday at our at uh, Fast Eddie's in Parma, uh, Karam Hasruni, who is the floor king, uh, is running for school board in Brooklyn. We're going to be talking to him and supporting his campaign and candidacy there. But tell me more about what the American Unionist PAC, Union PAC, I should say, is doing to support school board candidates and to recruit them. Yeah, so we are working uh, with a large statewide coalition of different organizations like the Ohio School Board Constitutional Coalition with Jeremiah Sawyer, uh, and we're working with him and his people on helping their candidates. They already recruited over 100 candidates, and it, we're providing the infrastructure and the fundraising uh, to those candidates, and, and we're working side by side because you know conservatives tend to like to work independently. But we need to start working together, and we need to work together, especially on school board races. So that's why we've kind of backed Jeremiah, and we're working with him in terms of the candidates he's already recruited and helping him try to find more candidates. So that way we're all on the same page. We're all backing the same candidates. And that way, you know, with a united front, we can win in November. Dakota Sawyer is my guest. He is uh, representing not only the American Union PAC, he is also representing the Monday Night Roundtable. Uh, and you've got a big event coming up one week from tonight. We're calling it the General George S. Patton Dinner, and you've got a special guest speaker. Who you who you, who you bring to dinner? Yes. So coming to the Cleveland, Ohio area, we're very excited to welcome former Congressman Lee Zeldin. Uh, he was a congressman in, in uh, the uh, New York, Manhattan area. Uh, and he was the 2022 Republican nominee for governor of the state of New York. He came very close to beating Kathy Hochul. Uh, I believe this is the closest a Republican has ever gotten since uh, George Pataki in, uh, back in the 80s. So, the, you know, this is a very big deal with him coming to town. We're also having uh, two additional speakers going to be speaking, like State Representative Derek Marin, who's been on the forefront and in the fight in Columbus and trying to battle the, the rhinos in, in the State House and the Democrats. Uh, so he's on a two-front assault there. Uh, and we're also bringing in Lori Cardoza Moore. Uh, she's been working hard and diligently in other states and helping with the school board candidates. She did a training here in Ohio. Uh, with a lot of people, uh, you know, George Satari and myself attended that training. Yeah, I uh, saw you there. Yeah, and it was a great event, fantastic mm -hmm. time. Uh, and, and it was, it, you know, we're going to be bringing her back to Ohio uh, so that she can, you know, she's going to be assisting us in this fight for the school board races in November. She's wonderful, and I'm glad you're bringing Derek Marin there too. Derek Marin, who has been fighting the trans Dems uh, in his own party, not to mention the actual Dems, uh, you know that they have sided with. So uh, that's a big deal. The one thing that I would, and by the way, I'll tell people, uh, maybe you can tell people how to, how to get tickets for that event next Thursday at the Embassy Suites in Independence. Lee Zeldin, Derek Marin, Lori Cardoza, more. How do people get tickets? Yeah, so they can get tickets right on our website, AmericanUnion.us. And it's the first thing that pops up that you'll see on the website. There's a button right there to get your tickets, and that will take you to register for the event uh, and to get your tickets. 
Um, not only do we have general admission, but we have VIP, which that VIP does get you a, a picture with all three of our speakers. Uh, and, and I do did forget to mention our great MC that's going to be uh, our uh, our master of ceremonies, which is our, our good friend Bob uh, Khalid Namar. Uh, you know, he works well with AFP, he guest hosts for your show, uh, and he will be our, our master of ceremonies for the entire night. Fantastic. He's a terrific guy, and uh, and you couldn't have picked anybody better. I like that. So so I want to just double back, though, uh, because we talked about Derek Marin, and like you said, kind of facing a two-front two uh, you know, two assault, if you will, uh, he and some other true conservatives in the Ohio State House. Um, we need to come together, um, whether you're a true Republican and conservative or a rhino Republican, we need all of the support we can get behind issue one. I know you have been uh, very vocal about this as well. What can you tell us about what's your confidence level as we are now into the early voting period? Do you think that the Republicans are coalescing you know, behind this issue and finding a way to come together despite what are some obvious differences at the uh, state level? I think so. I, I think, you know, really it, it, we're seeing a, a united front between, you know, the rhinos and the, uh, and the conservatives on issue one. I think it's an issue that everybody uh, in the Republican Party can agree with, uh, that we need our Constitution needs to have a higher threshold than a majority vote. Uh, and if you read the Federalist Papers, you know, when they talk about our form of government, our Republican form of government, our constitutional republic, they hated majority rule, or, or as you could call it, mob rule. They hated the idea of that, especially for such thing as the Constitution as a founding document. That's why, you know, the amendment process they put in there was uh, you needed two-thirds of the states to agree before a constitutional amendment could be put forward, because they wanted to make it harder to, uh, to change the Constitution, because that's a founding principle document. Um, because they know that it's not, it's not, uh, the Constitution is supposed to withstand history. It's not supposed to change on, on what, the, what the current political climate is. It's supposed to be a, a, a standing fixture in our, our government, in our Republican form of government. That's very well said. And, you know, that's, that's as well as anybody has said it, to my knowledge. Uh, that's what issue one is all about. The founda- founding document for our state, uh, you know, comparable to the founding document of the country, is supposed to be forever. It is, you know, it is something where if there is going to be a change, it is going to have to be extreme, and it's going to have to have massive support to change or amend that Constitution. It is not meant to just, hey, I don't like this law, and I don't like the lawmakers who make the laws, so rather than trying to change them, I'm going to go ahead and change the whole Constitution. It better have broad support. Uh, in my view, 60% is too low. Uh, but it is acceptable compared to 50%, which is just half the state plus one voter. Um, and, and that's exactly right. This does protect the Constitution. So Dakota, you know, you do radio too, and you, uh, and you're active. So you talk to a lot of people, I'm sure, who criticize you and your support for issue one, just like I do. How do you answer them when they say, uh, that, uh, simple majority rule has been in effect in the Ohio Constitution for over 110 years? So why would we change it now? Well, I think, you know, a, a bad idea, whether it be in law for 50 years or 100 years, needs to be repealed. Um, I, I think that's the simple answer. And if you look back in 2016, we had the Ohio Constitutional Modernization Commission, which was made up of 22 uh, people, Republicans and Democrats. And by a vote of 20 to uh, 20 to 1, 
there, there was broad support to raising the threshold for a constitutional amendment in the state of Ohio to at least 55%. So Democrats and Republicans agreed on the same issue just in 2016. So once this, you know, once they get their abortion amendment on the ballot, then they're all against it. They're all against raising the threshold because it doesn't suit their narrative at the current moment. That's exactly right. And, you know, I was talking to um, Jack Windsor about this yesterday from the Ohio Press Network, and he pointed out, I think it was Jack was the first one. I, I've been talking to so, so many people about issue one, I, I may have uh, passed over somebody, but I thought it was Jack who said, you know, if... Um, this ballot initiative in November wasn't about abortion. If it was about, let's say, the right to work, let's say we want to amend the Ohio Constitution and make it a right-to-work state and not a union state, um, do you think that all of those leftist groups that are opposing Issue 1 right now would be uh, would be opposing it? Or do you think they would be right with us, wanting to raise it to 60% to do something that they don't want done to the Ohio Constitution? They would be supporting it because it, it fits their narrative. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if after the November ballot, if, if by chance they get the, the abortion amendment in the Ohio Constitution, if the Ohio Democrats agreed that we need to raise the threshold to 60% after November, as long as they can, because that way it would make them for it harder to repeal that abortion amendment in the Ohio Constitution. So I could see them flip-flopping on this issue after November. If it, by some chance, passes in November with 50% plus one, then I could see them saying, well, we need to change the Constitution uh, and raise it to 60%. I think that's very well said. Dakota Sawyer working very, very hard, along with a lot of others, in support of Issue 1. And uh, they've got a big event coming up uh, again uh, next Thursday, one week from tonight. It's at uh, the Embassy Suites in Independence. It's the 2023 General George S. Patton Dinner. Lee Zeldin, Derek Marin, and uh, Lori Cardoza-Moore will be among the speakers. Get your tickets at AmericanUnion.us. That's AmericanUnion.us. Dakota, keep up the great work. Thanks for coming on and telling us about this dinner. All right. Thanks, Bob. You got it. Take care. That's uh, Dakota Sawyer. Really good stuff there. You know, it's so it's so important. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to be talking to Aaron Bear. Um, but after this time out, I'm going to, I'm going to let you hear from one of Aaron's colleagues at the Center for Christian Virtue, uh, Robert Kylo. Robert Kylo uh, has has uh, been working also very very hard. I'm going to share uh, a little bit of a presentation that he gave recently on uh, issue one, and and look at this from. A couple of perspectives, not just the perspective of the Constitution, but the specific nature of what's coming up in November if we do not protect our Constitution from radical changes to it in support of radical uh, ideology. And I think abortion on demand up until the moment of birth is radical, no matter who you are. Even if you are pro-choice, you have to realize the radical nature of that. That's another reason why even if you are uh, decidedly in favor of choice, If you oppose that sort of radicalism and extremism, then you should join us in opposing this nonsense. So I'm going to let you hear from Robert Kylo next. We've got Aaron Bear coming up after the top of the hour. Stay right here on Always Right Radio. Quick audible here. Just this, or this just came across my uh, screen. The Secret Service tomorrow will close its investigation into the cocaine found at the White House without determining the identity of the suspect. 
Holy goodness, the cover-ups never stop, do they? The Secret Service briefed members of Congress on the investigation this morning. A source told Fox News Digital that Secret Service officials say they plan to end the investigation Friday without determining whom the cocaine belonged to. The source said the Secret Service officials said they still do not know who brought the cocaine into the White House. Are you kidding me? Is this really still a question? child called me up just the other day he said dad i need some crack can you help me today and i had lots of cash but bills to pay he said don't worry dad i'll find another way he was smoking for i knew it and away he flew saying i'm gonna be like you dad you know i'm gonna be like you and hunters in the basement with a silver spoon the hookers and drugs were gonna be there soon when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll be good and high by then, Dad Yeah, I'll be good and high by then Picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re- even remotely resembled crack cocaine I'm very proud of my son My son came around just the other day He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay Will anyone know? He said, no, no way And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim And said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him He's, he's fixed it, he's worked on it And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon Ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll put aside your 10%, Dad I'll always have your 10% I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on. Well, he came from Kiev just the other day. Had a smile so big I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. How's our cash supply? He nodded his head and said, Great big guy, but what I really need, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. You can take the vet, but watch the boxes, please. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Classified papers all over the room. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'm getting good and high again, Dad. I'm getting good and high again. He pointed out the reason why he regrets it is he didn't anticipate that that thugs like Giuliani would use it to, in fact, try to embarrass his father. Yes, they are. We're flat thugs. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. I stole an election and my son moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, you owe some cash, I want my cut today. He said, calm down, Dad, you know it's on the way. But my laptop is gone and now it's on you. And now we're both really screwed, Dad. And now we're both gonna be screwed. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He was damn near dumber than me My boy was dumb as me And there was Hunter in the basement with a silver spoon All of our crimes were coming out real soon When's it all end, son? I don't know when But we're gonna end up in the pen, Dad We're both gonna be in the pen
I am absolutely certain, 100% certain, that at the end of the investigation, that I will be cleared of any wrongdoing. God save the queen, man. Got a crackhead son of the president. You've got uh, very, very limited access of people, or a number of people, rather, who have access to the White House, to the West Wing, to the Situation Room, without going through security. The only individuals who could have brought drugs into the White House would be those not subject to security. And the, uh, the Secret Service has announced they will be closing the investigation tomorrow without identifying the culprit who brought in the cocaine. This is, this is a different world, man. It's a different world. It's uh, 1059. We'll be back. We'll talk to Aaron Bear, a Center for Christian Virtue, next. AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Good Thursday to you. It's the 13th morning of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2023. I want to share something with you that was sent to me. It's right on point as we continue to remind you every single segment, vote yes on issue one. We have to pass. Uh, the uh, amendment to raise the threshold to amend the Ohio Constitution to 60% for a lot of great reasons. Here are some of them articulated by the chief advancement officer of the Center for Christian Virtue, Robert Kylo. And since Roe v. Wade was overturned, there have been six states that, according to states' rights, which thankfully we have in the United States Constitution, have had an opportunity to decide their fate, whether they were going to be pro-life or the other side. And brothers and sisters, I'm saddened to say this today, we're 0 for 6, and it's not even close. States like Ohio that are going in a wildly different direction. And on August 8th, our battle's not against flesh and blood, so I'm not going to call out names of organizations because blessed are the peacemakers. But there are nefarious forces that want to embed in the Ohio Constitution the ability for women to have abortions all the way through the third trimester including partial birth abortion, ripping out parental consent laws so that children could do this without notifying their parents, and embedding language that would make it permissible to do inalterable surgeries on adolescents without their parents being notified of that. Body of Christ, I stand on God's word. I believe we are created in God's image, both male and female. I believe we are knitted together in our mother's womb. And I believe God loves life. 
He loves children. Jesus himself said, do not forbid the little children from coming to me. We have an opportunity, folks, as the body of Christ on August 8th to put a proverbial line in the sand that will say for this state, we will stand for God's word. We will stand for life and liberty. And we will stand for our children so that they can be born and they can live out their full life expectancy. Wonderful, wonderful, inspiring words from my friend Robert Kylo. Again, he is the Chief Advancement Officer at the Center for Christian Virtue, and he is also a part of Protect Women Ohio, as is our next guest. Aaron Baer is actually the president of that organization, the Center for Christian Virtue. He is also one of the founding members of Protect Women Ohio, fighting very, very hard to try and pass issue uh, number one on August 8th and to defeat the ballot initiative that is almost certain to be on the uh, ballot in November. Aaron Bear, good to have you back on our program. How are you this morning? Hey, Bob, I am blessed, and I'm just so grateful for all you're doing to keep the word out there on issue one. Aaron, I'm hearing mixed messages from people with respect to our messaging um, on issue one. Some are suggesting, and I don't know if it's just observational, or if it's anecdotal, or if there are surveys that have been done, that Focusing too much on the abortion aspect of issue one um, is counterproductive, that we should be talking about solely the protection of the Constitution so that it cannot be amended uh, very easily and willy-nilly anytime somebody is not happy with the current particular climate. Uh, that they're ready to change our foundational document, that we should be focused more on the bigger picture of constitutional protection than the specifics of what's coming up in November. Now, I just played a very you know important clip there, I thought, from Robert, and I've been talking about the abortion aspect of this for some time now. Uh, am I doing it wrong, or how do you see this? <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely not. Are you doing it wrong, Bob? Here's what we have pulled this thing through the roof and looked at it from every different angle you can to understand it. And and the baseline on this issue, the the good news for us is that when most folks hear about this, when they just read the ballot language or they understand what we're doing, they're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Right. Um, And so it actually, so folks are pretty generally your, your high propensity voters can use a little uh, campaign lingo here. They they generally like this idea. The the question is, or the challenge for us in this campaign most folks aren't really passionate about it, right? And when you're talking about an August 8th election uh, and, and the busyness of summer and vacation and all this kind of stuff, you got to really have passion to drive folks out to vote. Uh, and so that's, that's really what we've been drilling on is saying, hey, uh, how do we really spark passion in people to make sure they go vote on August 8th? Uh, and what's, what's beautiful about this issue for our side is I don't care what your, your, your motivating issue is. Is it abortion? Is it Second Amendment? Is it election integrity? Uh, is it taxes and regulation and business-friendly environment? Is it anti-drugs and anti-gambling? Whatever it is, this issue affects you. And so what we have been telling folks is, hey, you know, go off and communicate to your audience the, the issue that motivates them to vote. Uh, and quite honestly, uh, Bob, if we're going to win this thing, it's going to be because the body of Christ rises up and turns out to vote and the life issue is a massive motivating factor so sure you know when we go up uh, on tv is is the ad going to be on abortion probably not um because we're going to cast the broad of a, a net and, and really hit especially the special interest message and and some of these other things but we're we're really when we're talking to core conservative audiences or core uh 
the audience is we're hitting the life issue hard because it really exemplifies why you have to be fired up and go vote. Well, I'm glad to hear you're going to be on TV, period. I've been talking about that aspect, Aaron, for a while now. I'm seeing way too many vote no on one uh, uh, television ads, and I'm not seeing any vote yeses on television ads. So I'm glad to hear about that. We'll come back to that part of it, the the, uh, the advertising strategy on this, Aaron. But let's stick with the uh, the issue here about abortion, about life. Is Ohio a pro-life state in your mind? There, there is no doubt Ohio is pro-life state. And all, all you have to do is look at the electorate over the last 10 years where we have been chipping away at, at the number of abortions in the state. And abortion has basically been on the ballot every election uh, since we started, the, you know, since our friend Janet Porter and, and, and the whole pro-life movement started the, the heartbeat bill fight. Uh, and the media was trying to make every election about the abortion issue. And time and time again, especially from 2018 on, you saw pro-lifer sweep, right? This is this is one of the things I, I just lose my mind over, Bob, when I hear people say, oh, well, we, you know, the conservatives didn't do so well in 2022 because of the Dobbs case, because of abortion. No, listen, in, in the state, like, if, if this was about Dobbs, if, if the, the struggles we had in 2022 uh, were about the Dobbs case and abortion case, Mike DeWine wouldn't have won 85 out of 88 counties. Brian Kemp wouldn't have won re-election. Um, you wouldn't have had all these conservatives do pro-lifers, that's fine. Kim Reynolds in Iowa wouldn't have won re-election. Um, the, the reality is the life issue is actually great for us. It's when you have bad candidates, frankly, like like Herschel Walker, who doesn't know how to communicate on these things, that lose, right? That, that, that's what happened in those, those states that we didn't do well in. Um, this is a winning issue, uh, especially in Ohio, but even nationwide. We're talking to Aaron Baer. Aaron is the president of the Center for Christian Virtue. He is also one of the founding members of uh, Protect Women Ohio, working very hard with Ohio Right to Life, Cleveland Right to Life, and other groups uh, to support Issue 1 and to oppose the ballot initiative, which would codify into the Constitution of Ohio abortion, and uh, and uh, uh, it would strip parents of their rights to guide their children's decision uh, when it comes to matters uh, that are life-altering and bodily-altering as well. Um do you think that if we fail on August 8th, and I do not do not believe we will, but if it came down to it and it's going to stay a 50% issue, 50% plus one in November, that Ohio and its pro-life um, population of voters will rise up and defeat this even in, in a 50, 50% plus one on uh, in November? We, we absolutely still have a shot in November, even if we don't get up to 60%. And we see... Uh, again, we've we've done a lot of polling, a lot of data mining on this, on, on where the electorate's at. Uh, we see that uh, there's a, a very real path for us to win at 50%. It'll obviously be harder. But, Bob, I think the important thing about 60% is that this is more than just about 2023, right? We could run – We let's, let's just say we run the campaign at 50% and we win in 2023. Well, they're just going to keep coming back year after year after year because we have to remember – this is more than just an ideological thing for them. This is a moneymaker for them, especially since they're wrapping in this trans medicine stuff. This is an industry, right? We need to think of them not much like we think of the gaming industry, where the casinos, we beat them four times at the ballot to amend the Constitution, and it was on the fifth time that they actually passed it because they knew the ROI on it was so good for them. Spend a little bit here, and then you're going to bring in big, big bucks on the other side. That's the same way the abortion industry works. That's the same way the trans medicine uh, uh, industry works. Where they know this is this is about profit for them, along with their ideological drive, uh, and so we can win in 2023. But they're going to come back in 2024 when Sherrod Brown's on the ballot. 
when the money is going to be a lot harder to raise because conservative money is going to be stretched all over the country for the presidential. Um, and, and that's why 60% is about burying these, this, this devastating issue for good in Ohio. We're talking to Aaron Bear, president of the Center for Christian Virtue. Let's talk about that advertising situation now. I've been talking about this on the air. I'm doing everything I can on the radio side, but I don't have a TV show that I can do this on. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, I'm seeing a lot of these uh, uh, anti issue one ads, uh, and they're very very misleading. They're very very they're successful at confusing people. They really are. Uh, particularly the one that is getting the most play in which they have the scissors cutting up the Constitution, suggesting that a vote for issue one uh, destroys the Constitution. And it's literally the exact opposite of that. That's, right. what, their, that's what their goal is. So uh, I've been waiting for somebody to fight back. Uh, tell us about the uh, the advertising. Yeah, I, there there will be ads going up here very shortly. Um, there's already radio ads that are running, I believe, even on, on your station here. Um, the, the bottom line is that it kind of is showcasing why issue one is so important, right? Uh, the, you, you see how quickly the left and their political machine and their deep, deep pockets are able to, to jump in and flood the zone with misinformation. Uh, the very good news that I can share is the cavalry, the cavalry is coming, um, and it's going to come in strong, and it's going to send a very clear message about what this issue is about. Um, and, and ultimately, Bob, I really think these next four weeks are going to be the church's finest hour. I will tell you, Bob, we have denominational leaders and, and churches and Christians and, and, and Catholic churches, everyone rising up like never before. Um, and we're going to win this on August 8th, and it's going to be because uh, the church came together for this, for this fine hour we have right now. Yeah, I, I, I certainly hope so. It is, uh, it is crucial. And again, I'm so glad you point out, too, uh, that this is beyond just 2023. A lot of people think this is solely about the abortion issue. It's, uh, you know, Frank, Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State, uh, mentioned at a, at a, at a speaking event, uh, this is 100% about abortion. The left turned that into, see, it's only about this one thing. They don't care about protecting the Constitution. They just want to make sure that, uh, you know, women don't have the right to choose. He said it's 100% abor- about abortion. But the context, of course, came immediately after that when he said, but it's about so many other things as well. Yeah, 100%. It is about abortion. It's not a question. That's right. what he meant by 100%. But it is about a lot of other things into the future as well. There are a lot of very important issues that conservatives in Ohio, and quite frankly, all Ohioans should be should be concerned about that should not be uh, addressed by amending the Constitution. If you want to pass laws, let's use the you know the democratic republic form of government that we have, and go to the legislators. And if you don't like what the legislators are doing, then vote in new ones and quit complaining and crying about gerrymandering. We have a process to make laws, change laws, amend laws, and so forth without messing with the foundational document. That's right. And, and honestly, Bob, if you want us to understand why this, this matters so much and, and the impact of having a, a constitution that's at risk, just go look at what's happened in Arizona. Uh, Arizona, over the last you know, 10 years or so, has completely flipped. When I, I used to live in Arizona about seven years ago, they had all statewide conservatives, all statewide pro-lifers, super majorities in the General Assembly. But their constitution is a 50%. And that's where the left jammed these things called Independent Redistricting Commission and Merit Selection for Judges. That sounds so great. But that is the story of how Arizona went from a deep red state to a purplish blue state is because the left was able to – they knew they could never get this stuff through the General Assembly, knew they could never get this through the, the governor's office. Uh, but what they did recognize is they could pour enough money into the uh, Arizona electorate uh, to get this stuff into the Constitution and get their agenda advanced that way. They're looking to do that here, uh, and this is how we stop them. 
Uh, last thing, um, if you would, Aaron, uh, let, let's talk about consistency versus hypocrisy. I found this to be very, very important uh, uh, yesterday, uh, and, and, I, and I got a memo uh, from the uh, uh, Protect Women Ohio about this, and I, I thought maybe you can go into it in a little bit more depth. Many of the organizations that are opposing Issue 1 because they support uh, the ballot initiative in November primarily, um, who are saying that it is completely undemocratic to to get rid of majority rule. Whatever happened to majority rule, majority rule uh, is, is all it should take. And they like to play this... Um, <clears throat> You've probably seen them, this uh, this meme game where they have a football game. And, you know, if issue one were a football game, Ohio State 59, Michigan 41. Michigan wins because they didn't get to 60, which would be the percent. So many of these organizations, Aaron, don't live by that majority rule uh, when it comes to their own organization's bylaws, do they? No, that's right. Go, go figure. The people that say that boys are girls and that uh, unborn children aren't people are liars, right? I mean, they, there's no doubt these, these folks won't go to. Um, and, and, and again, you can see they, they understand why. Hey, you can change policy uh, at 50%, but you can't change the Constitution at 50% because it's locked in. And this is one of these things that they they really uh, just completely distorted, and the media just ignores. We're not touching what's called the initiated statute process here. That allows the voters to change Ohio law at 50%. Voters can still change the law at 50% in a much easier path with the initiated statute process. We're just saying the Constitution needs 60%. Um, and, and so, again, we, we're going to still be miles ahead of, of most states uh, in terms of giving voters the ability to directly change the law. But now we're talking about the Constitution. Uh, and that should be more difficult. That should have more widespread support uh, than it does right now. Uh, and these guys get it. They obviously run their organizations right way. The unions run their, way, their organizations that way. The, the Democrats run their, their organization that way. Uh, they just don't want the state to run that way because that's going to stop their agenda. Exactly right. And, you know, the, again, the hypocrisy is so thick as they continue. So, well, those are private organizations. This would affect everybody. Okay, <laughs> you, let, let, let's follow that track. It does affect everybody, which is why it should require a substantial majority of everybody, not just 50% if it's a very divisive issue to change the Constitution, and it's literally half the state feels one way and half the state feels the other way. One vote can flip it and, and, and make it. That's insane. If it's going to affect it everybody. It should be a strong majority. It should be from 88 counties that signatures have to be gathered. It should be a good 60%. In my view, it should be two-thirds. I would go 66, yeah. but but I'm not I'm not going to get greedy. I'll just say a strong 60-40 majority, um, yep. uh, you know, since it is something that's going to affect the, the entire state. One would call that consistent, I think. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and, and Bob, this, this is one of these things that, like, one of the, one of the underlying principles that has made America the, the, the freest, uh, you know, most exceptional nation in world history is because we, it, it is hard to change laws here, right? We're, we're not one of these banana republics where at a whim things can change and have massive shifts overnight. Uh, that, that's actually a part of the process here uh, that has allowed freedom to flourish, that has made it more difficult for people to come in and hijack government power and use the coercion, coercive power of government uh, to undermine people's livelihoods and, and their freedoms. This, this is one of these things so foundational to the American experiment uh, that when, when you undermine it, there's so much danger to it. 
Aaron Bear, president of the Center for Christian Virtue and uh, one of the founders of Protect Women Ohio, fighting very, very hard, working with a lot of very important right-to-life groups and others to support Issue 1. I'll tell everybody again, don't wait until August 8th, right? This is important, isn't it, Aaron, right. to get the early votes in? It's not something that conservatives and Republicans generally who support such things like this are used to doing, but we cannot just bank everything on uh, uh, you know, a strong turnout on Election Day. We need to use the entire 30 days we're given. That's right. Especially, especially in summertime where life gets crazy. Go yeah. vote now. Get it in just so you don't get, you know, it doesn't come August 8th. And you're like, oh, my goodness, when am I going to get over there? Go vote now and get it done. And bring 10 people with you. Uh, there you go. Exactly right. Bring 10 other vo- registered voters with you and tell them we've got to get this done now. Let's bank our votes. Let's not uh, sign IOUs. And I promise I'll be there on August 8th when you just don't know for sure. Aaron Bear, thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it very much. Hey, great for you, my friend. Thank you, Aaron. That's Aaron Bear joining us from the Center for Christian Virtue and, again, from uh, Protect Women Ohio. This is about protecting women. It's about protecting all Ohioans, quite frankly. Vote yes on Issue 1 and make sure that everybody you know understands why they should vote yes on Issue 1. Don't let them be confused with the intentionally deceptive and duplicitous uh, advertisements of those who oppose this important issue. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. Oh, my goodness. What a program. Um, if you missed Aaron Bear, if you missed Dr. Everett Piper, Dakota Sawyer, all those interviews we did earlier today, they will be available at whkradio.com on the podcast page. Just go to local podcast. You'll find us. You can uh, download those. Uh, also, interviews we have had earlier this week, Alex Triantafilu is the... Um, Ohio Republican Party chair. We had him on in uh, support of issue one. We had Jack Windsor yesterday. All it, Look, uh, am I doing this to promote my radio show? Sure. How can I not? This is my job. But I'm giving you this information so that you can share with others who don't get it. Let them hear it in Jack's words. Let them hear it in Alex Triantafila's words, in Dakota's words, in Aaron Bear's words, in Robert Kylo's words. Let, whoever it is that, that can speak to people and make them understand the importance of passing Issue 1 on August 8th by voting early right now, all of this. Anybody that can get through to people, use it. That's what I'm telling you. You understand? Take the podcasts. Uh, Figure out exactly when the relevant parts that will speak to somebody you know start. Tell them, here it is, here's the link. Starts at, you know, one hour and 12 minutes in or whatever the case might be. Share with other people. As I said to uh, Aaron Bear, I don't have a TV show that I can do with, you know, this. I have a TV show. It's called True Blue Today on the True Blue Factual Streaming Network uh, that you can uh, subscribe to. But... um, I don't have a TV show where I can talk about this stuff. If I did, I would be doing issue one, uh, pro issue one ads all the time. So I, I, I have what I have, which is this microphone, this transmitter, and the podcast page. Share this with people so they are not confused. Vote for issue one. Vote against the initiative in November. 
I think Jack Windsor said it very well yesterday. He said, you know, for people who are confused, is it is it yes in August and no in November? Is it no in August? Yeah, just keep the no in November. Is the way Jack put it. Keep the no in November. That should make it clear to you. You vote no in November. You vote yes on this ballot, or excuse me, on this uh, very important issue number one he, coming up in August. All right, we're going to go to the phones. Um, we're going to go to Anthony. Anthony Savage is his name. He is with the Lorain County Young Republicans. I have seen his name thrown around in a couple of circles that I run in, uh, and he's on the air right now. Anthony, good morning. What's on your mind, sir? Hi, good morning, Bob. Thank you for having me on the show today. Sure. I uh, I just wanted to let all of uh, all of our listeners here know that the Young Republicans are uh, trying to crack back against all of the um, ads that are telling everyone to vote no out there, all the commercials and, and everything that we're seeing that's telling people to vote no with our own commercial urging people to vote yes. And uh, we are we are going to be filming uh, the rest of our commercial today, actually. Um, so hopefully we're Fantastic. able to uh, raise the funds necessary to, to get that out there uh, to as many people as possible. But, but we are trying our, and doing our very best to to get that message out there and to we're going to try our very best to get that on tv across ohio certainly in uh, the lorraine county area where we are and as well as social media yeah the problem is tv ads are very expensive of course and uh that's the one pro you know it, it's so bizarre as we talk about the uh the issue one uh, problem with out-of-state special interest groups wealthy uh special interest groups being able to spend a ton of money on tv advertising which they are doing right now on the no side we don't have that i know there's one right uh uh supporter of issue one that lives in illinois that is trying to help fund this event and the left is using that as a as a means of uh, calling us out for hypocrisy but but, I mean, honestly, they're taking millions of dollars in order to push this thing. Hopefully you guys can find a few dollars to put you put an ad on the uh, on TV, like Aaron Bear was just talking about as well, that uh, will provide the, the facts of the story and not the, uh, you know, not the myth-making that they're working on on the against side. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the left really wants to talk about our hypocrisy when we, when we get a little bit of, you know, money to, to try to, to buy signage and advertising like that. Um, you know, when most of the, the left-leaning organizations, including the Democrat Party, their very own constitution requires, you know, 60 or 66 percent, um, you know, of a vote in order to, to make changes to their bylaws or their constitution. Yeah, that's and, exactly you know, right. And, you know, they, they want us to have a weaker constitution for our, our state when they themselves, you know, would, would never agree to such, to such terms for themselves. It, it just doesn't make common sense, and, there, and there's many other organizations that are that are out there strongly opposing issue one, and they're in the same boat where you know their very own bylaws and constitution require you know a stronger a stronger um, consensus in order to make changes. Yeah, which is, which is what it, yeah, that's exactly, and you're right. The hypocrisy lives on the left. We're not being hypocritical yeah. if we take a few bucks from somebody in Illinois to help get some signage and get some ads up there when they are literally taking millions. I, I don't have a number, so I'm just throwing out this here, but, I, but I'd swear it's probably 20 to 1 in terms of outside the state of Ohio dollars supporting their anti-Issue 1 campaign compared to what we are getting from anybody outside the state to support this thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very comfortable with the way we're doing this, and, uh, and I'm glad to yeah, know 100%. that you and some of the young Republican clubs are out there doing something to get an ad on the air as well. So if people want to reach you and help support you, how do they do that, Anthony? 
They can reach us at LorainCountyYoungRepublicans.com. There's a QR code to donate to our uh, PAC if they would if they would like to. Um, we'd certainly appreciate any support that that we can get. Uh, also, they can follow us on Twitter and they can follow us on Facebook. Uh, we'd really appreciate if you'd help share the share the message. Um, you know, and definitely yep. get out there before before the August election. Let's try to win this before election day. Let's get enough early voting so that it's a, it's not an issue on election day that so we've we already got the votes in before way ahead of time so that so that this is a, this is a yes right out of the gate. That's exactly what has to happen. And uh no, I'm a Lorraine yeah. County resident and uh born born and raised there uh and live back there now. So I, I certainly support the effort. Uh Anthony, so thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work and uh and best of luck getting some funding for that TV ad. Thank you so much. You got it. There you Thank go. You. It's Lorraine County Republicans dot com. I'm looking at it right now. They've got a meeting coming up too, it looks like on the twenty second at Broadway Mary's. So uh yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be as active in that stuff as I can in promoting it. So uh LorraineCountyRepublicans.com. Sally and Berea is up quick. Uh Sally, go right ahead. Hi Bob. Just a little comic relief. Since the Secret Service is isn't interested in finding out who left the cocaine, how about calling in the drug enforcement agencies since that is their job? <laughs> well, and have a know, nice weekend. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, they they know whose cocaine it is. I am so frustrated by that entire cocaine. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> I, you know, again, between the cameras and, quite frankly, the simple police work, it doesn't even take the DEA, and I love the joke, by the way, but it doesn't take the DEA. The Secret Service is very well capable of dusting a baggie of cocaine for fingerprints and then checking them against all of the known fingerprints they have of people in the White House, including, yes, the president's family. For crying out loud, his fingerprints are probably in a hundred different places. He was prosecuted for crying out loud for tax evasion and for acquiring a gun. He stood trial uh, for acquiring a gun uh, with illegal means. I mean, the guy's fingerprints are on file in a ton of places, and you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, that guy. I don't have time to play the whole thing for you again, but you know the deal. You know where it came from. Come on, man, as his dad would say. Uh, of course, his dad would say a lot of ridiculously stupid I'm things. I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah, me too. All right, that's uh, it for today. Thank you to my guests. That would include uh, Dakota Sawyer, Dr. Everett Piper, Aaron Bear. Thanks to my team, Johnny. Thanks to my team, uh, uh, team member Marianne and team member Marcy. And by the way, we got a new guy. Uh, I'm so happy just to find out. I just learned this yesterday. Uh, he's going to be a team member. You don't know it yet. He doesn't even know what capacity yet. But Seth, love you, brother. Glad you're going to be aboard. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, have a great day. See you tomorrow for Free For All, free for all Friday. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.